Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Welcome, everybody. Eddie Trunk here with you in time for another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. It is new every single Thursday. PodcastOne.com and iTunes free, as always, to download or stream on either of those platforms. Remember, you guys, go to PodcastOne.com to find all the great sponsors of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Because of them, I can bring you this podcast each week with limited ads and no additional cost to you. And if you heard a sponsor that you want to try out or forgot a sponsor and want to see a list, you can access them by clicking on the Killer Deals button at podcastone.com and visiting the Eddie Trunk Podcast Show page. We only approve sponsors who make sense for my audience, and each of my sponsors are listed there with the banners linked to the promotional deal and the promos listed by the brand. So everything you need is easily accessible in one place. We thank our sponsors, and thanks to all of you for supporting them In addition, we'd also like to thank Amazon and the Amazon Associates program. They're an affiliate advertising program designed to provide a means for me to earn fees by linking to Amazon.com and affiliated sites. So we ask you to help out there as well. You can link to Amazon at PodcastOne.com. So be sure to go to PodcastOne.com. Even if you get this show off iTunes, appreciate you checking in there at least once a week. See all my sponsors. Go and hit that banner at the Killer Deals banner. Just find my page by searching Eddie Trunk, my name, and you'll see it. And you can please patronize those sponsors. Buy through those links. Won't cost you a penny more to do so. Same great deals. And you'll be helping us out to keep this podcast free. More and more I hear from people who are doing some sort of paid podcast. And, of course, uh, to keep it free, we appreciate you helping out and patronizing the sponsors. So a lot to talk about this week on the podcast and a lot of interview to get to. Uh, we've got two big ones for you. First up, Jack Blades, Kelly Keegi, Brad Gillis of Night Ranger from the Monsters of Rock Cruise, which sailed now back in February. But I've been sitting on this interview for a little bit. It was so much fun as is always the case when I'm with the Night Ranger guys, that I didn't want to let this one be forgotten. So I will bring you this podcast first, 
It was a blast. These guys are old friends, and they're always fun to talk to and get great stories from, and this interview was no exception. And the timing is pretty good because the brand-new Night Ranger record is about to come out in, I think, next next Friday is the release date. I got a copy of it sitting right here. The new Night Ranger record is called Don't Let Up. And again, it'll be out in, I believe, a week from tomorrow, if you're hearing this on post day. But great guys, and we'll have uh, some time with them. Again, we were done. We did the we did my Sirius XM show, which is on every day, Monday to Friday, live, two to four PM Eastern time on volume one oh six. And we did that show from the Monsters of Rock Cruise, and the Night Ranger guys were one of the big hits of the cruise and always a lot of fun when they come on the show. So that's coming up. And then that'll be followed by a little bit more of a recent interview with Jack Russell of Jack Russell's Great White. He just released a new album, and we'll talk to Jack a little bit about that. And Jack, you'll hear, gets a little bit emotional, too, because I do talk about the tragic fire in Rhode Island and how that sits with them all these years later. So uh, a a fairly uh, revealing and, at times, uh, uh, emotional interview uh, with Jack Russell of Great White coming up as our second interview and first up, three of the founding members of Night Ranger in a total blast of an interview from the Monsters of Rock Cruise. So another great double dip for you this week. Before we get to those interviews, though, just a few things from me. Things have been going absolutely phenomenally well with the new Daily Show on volume. I thank you all for listening. I thank you all for the great feedback. You can always email me, eddie at eddietrunk.com. Visit me on all my social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Eddie Trunk. And I've been hearing from so many people, and it's really starting to connect with the artists as well as far as doing this show and having this daily Rock Talk platform. I want to thank Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day. He was nice enough to invite me to the Green Day show in Brooklyn that happened yesterday, actually. was unable to get there. I'm, I'm sure you guys have heard we got uh, crushed by a winter storm, a couple feet of snow in New Jersey, so... A little bit tough trying to travel around this time of year. I thought we were out of the woods as far as the the snow with what would have been a fairly mild winter, and then we just got hammered a couple days ago out of nowhere. So wasn't able to get around to make that show, but uh, thank you to Billy Joe for offering. Also wanted to send my condolences to the entire Y&T camp and the family and friends of Joey Alves of Y&T. It was announced this past weekend that Joey passed away. uh, Joey was battling diverticulitis, which I was unaware of. I I didn't know Joey Alves all that well, but I'm a huge Y&T fan. And I had no idea that he was that ill and that he uh, he was having these issues. Just 63 years old, Joey Alves of Y&T passing away, and I had Dave Menachetti on my volume show this past Monday talking about Joey. I'll try to bring you that interview in an upcoming podcast in case you missed it. But Y&T, just an incredibly powerful band, still are to this day. Dave Menachetti has been leading that band with different members for a long time, but it's just been an unbelievably awful run here with all of the original members of Y&T now being gone, with the exception of Dave Menachetti. Joey Owls dying this past weekend. Leonard Hayes passing away about six months ago. 
and then about four years ago or so, Phil Kenamore dying. So Dave Menichetti has lost all his original band members and friends who founded the band with him. Fortunately, Dave is still in very good health, takes good care of himself, and I think we'll be out there rocking for quite a while to come. But my condolences, and uh, as a huge Y&T fan, some very sad news. And I'll try to bring you that interview of my conversation with Dave talking about Joey in an upcoming episode of the podcast. What else do I need to tell you before we get into our interviews? I'm trying to think. It's uh, It's been a busy week. It's been a crazy week. A lot's been going on. We're getting ready to get into festival season. Of course, M3 is coming up. Rocklahoma is coming up. Honored to be hosting those events. Hosting shows with Saigon Kick coming up in New York. Had a chance to see Overkill this past weekend. For my money, still one of the best thrash bands out there. Incredible crowd. Packed house. Starland Ballroom in Saraville, New Jersey. It was great to see those guys, and still they're at the top of their game after all these decades. Still incredible. One of my all-time favorite bands, UFO, currently on tour in America with Saxon. That tour has made its way through Texas. Look forward to seeing them in a couple weeks in New York City. Getting a lot of email response from people seeing UFO and Saxon out there on the road and really enjoying it, which is great to see those bands. Especially UFO doesn't tour America all that often. So it's good to see that they are out here and uh, and doing well and getting great response. Wherever you're listening to the podcast around the world, I appreciate you guys doing so. And again, uh, connect with me on social media at any time. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the things that I mentioned. If you'd like to get signed copies of either of my books, I do have some available. I'll sign them however you want. Send them out directly from me. Just go to eddytrunk.com, hit the Books tab for order information. I can only ship to addresses in the United States. And also, while you're there, take a look at my merch store, shirts and more available. Those can be shipped anywhere. Hit the merch tab or the store there on eddytrunk.com. All my appearances are on the homepage. Email me through the site as well, as I mentioned. And read my blog, which is The Trunk Report. All right, we got some some good interviews for you, so let's get right to them instead of messing around. Again, listen to my show daily if you have Sirius or XM on Channel 106. That's where many of the interviews you hear on the podcast originate. Again, the show is live 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. It replays every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Time, and it's always available on demand on the Sirius XM app. Coming up first, from the Monsters of Rock crews, Jack Blades, Kelly Kagey, and Brad Gillis of Night Ranger. And then after that, a more, a little, slightly more recent interview with Jack Russell of Jack Russell's Great White. Thanks for listening. As always, spread the word about the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Appreciate you guys downloading and streaming and all that sort of good stuff. And we'll get to our first interview with Night Ranger right after this break. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. There's something about TrueCar a lot of people don't know. Using TrueCar can also help you buy a used car. In fact, there are over 700,000 pre-owned vehicles available from TrueCar certified dealers nationwide. Whether you're looking to buy new or used, you can get upfront pricing information that empowers. Discounts off the list price for used cars and a better buying experience through our TrueCar certified dealer network. There are over 700,000 pre-owned vehicles available from TrueCar certified dealers nationwide. And you'll see what other people paid for the car you want 
so you can know what a fair price is and feel confident. With True Car, you can connect with a local certified dealer of your choosing so you can enjoy a quick, easy buying experience. Using True Car, you can easily find the new or used car you want. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. I'm Rob Cicernino, the aptly named Rob Has a Podcast, where we're creating fun, smart conversation around reality TV games like Survivor. And this March, Survivor Game Changers is finally here. Join me weekdays for episode recaps, player interviews, and of course, your feedback. So if you're ready for a game change in your own Survivor experience, Download Rob Has a Podcast at podcastone.com on the Podcast One app or subscribe on iTunes. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. All right, we're back on the Eddie Trunk Podcast, and let's get to our first interview. Once again, this comes from my live broadcast that I did on board the Monsters of Rock Cruise earlier this year. Uh, always fun to talk with these guys. I've been a fan since day one. They have a brand new album about to come out, and I welcome to the show Brad Gillis, Kelly Kagi, and Jack Blades of Night Ranger. This comes from the Monsters of Rock Cruise. Enjoy this. Always fun talking to those guys on the Yeti Trunk Podcast. Three-fifths of Night Ranger are here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> How about a round of applause in the room, huh? There we go. We have Brad Gillis. Hi there. Good to see you, Brad. You too, my friend. Kelly Kagi. Eddie, how are you? I'm great. And Jack Blades. Eddie, it's always good to see you. Good to see you. Although I don't know, it's it's a miracle that I'm being seen because <laughs> that's we, why now I saw you after the show. It was, uh, it was pretty. Uh, that's we, why you rough. That's why you liked us so much because you were drunk. No, yeah, honestly, your room is what right right underneath the pool stage. <laughs> well, well, here's so the it's thing. like eleven o'clock. Is like. <laughs> oh, it's like, unbelievable! It was like it's unbelievable. I was like, I couldn't. Be- I was like, what the hell is happening here? That they're doing I thought it was thunder. Checks. I thought it was thunder. Are you guys? Are you? No, under it was the, the r- first thing. First thing I heard was like, whoa! And I'm like, whoa! Good morning. That was your TV in your room. I heard somebody. That was my wife singing to me. I heard somebody sound checking after uh, drinking all your Grey Goose in your in your uh, in your dressing room, which by the way you did actually. And I heard somebody sound checking at like ten forty five this morning, and all I didn't know who it was, but all I was saying to myself is. Whatever band that is sound checking, I am never going to play another one of their records on the radio. <laughs> They're banned from every one of my shows, and I now hate them. Oh Who was God. it? I, I don't know. They were doing White Snake covers, whoever it was. Uh, it might have been Brandon Gibbs, actually. Yeah. But I'm, be- I'm joking. It's not oh, his fault. Of maybe it was Joel. It was Joel. Joel it was Joel. <laughs> no, it may- maybe it was. It was. It wasn't Queensrack, was it? No, but, no, but it, it, this guy was really belting it out, singing. I think it might have been Brandon. It was I'm Brandon. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but I, you know, you, you, you talk about the alcohol factor, and I, I remember saying this to you guys very clearly last night. I said to you more than one time, this is not the alcohol talking. You guys kicked ass, and it isn't, and it wasn't. It truly was a killer show. Thank and you. I've said this Thank consistently. You. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Actually, your exact Told my words, family here. Your exact words were, "It's not the gray goose talking." Is what you, <laughs> I think you should. 
right. And I think I said Night Ranger fucking kicks ass. That's on right. That's stage, right. Yes. Didn't I? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I, I believe I did. But I, I meant that, man. And it, and it goes, as I said to you, it goes back for me uh, to, to, and I, I said this when I introed you last night, to being a kid and seeing the video for Don't Tell Me You Love Me. Right. And and watching this thing and and in that video and in that song, it just encompassed everything I loved, even at that young age, about hard rock music. You know, mm. you had these two blazing guitar players, of course, Brad and at the time Jeff, and then you had Kelly. I'm like, it's a drummer sitting sideways, like how freaking cool <laughs> is that? And then you got this this guy bouncing around, this ball of energy, playing bass, singing his ass <laughs> off. And what's amazing about it is. And I'm not just saying this. You guys are still that band. Yeah, like, you get guys, you're, you're scratching your head and you're saying, oh, man, they should have hung it up. There's the energy. They don't sing like they used to. It's amazing. Uh, going real, real quick, though, going back to when I first in the world, for the most part, first saw Night Ranger was Dawn Patrol album. And Don't Tell Me You Love Me in that video. And, again, it was just, to me, it was, it was everything that I loved and still do love about rock music. Well, it's funny about that video. I mean, we, all our buddies, like, you have to make a video. There's a new thing called MTV started. You know what I mean? It was like, it was like 81, in. right? Yeah, it was like, yeah, 82. And so it was like, I don't know, there MTV had like, MTV yeah. had probably had like three videos at that time. Us and Hungry Like a Wolf and one other band. And video <laughs> killed the radio star. Yeah, video killed the radio star. And so, no, and video, so, yeah. Yeah, and right. we, we, got our, we got our buddies at the UCLA Film School like to check out the gear on Saturday. And we went gorilla style, went to this little place called Train Town in um, Burbank and, and filmed it without getting any, you know, any like, you know, permits or anything. It was total gorilla style. And then we went to this room, just built this thing. And we're just like, we got to do a video. Do it. And it was like done. And then the next thing we know, we're out with Kiss in 82. Our very first tour, right? And and we we go to a town, and everybody had seen this video because because MTV only had a few, so they were playing it like fourteen times a day. Twenty five. Yeah, it was crazy. And we walked into a town, and it was like we were TV stars. We We'd were be like, walking down we the street like with you, our laundry, Eddie. you know, in the snow, going to do our laundry. And like, hey, it's you, it's you. And I'm like, I'm like, ah. And then we thought, we thought, this is what Eddie Trunk feels like every day. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, you know, that was an interesting time because you said you opened for Kiss. And at that point, yeah. Kiss was really at rock bottom in their Creatures of the Night. Creatures of the Night. They were pulling 1,000 yeah. people in 20,000-seat venues. Yeah, so, like 2,500 people. Yeah, yeah really so you well. guys as uh, this up-and-coming and new young rock band on this new big-time platform MTV, you – you probably were getting a lot of fans, right, coming to the shows oh, yeah. to see you guys. We were getting a lot yeah. of action really yeah. quickly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They had Vinny. Oh, I'm sorry, Vinny Vincent. I yeah. think it was the guitarist. Yeah. Yep. Eric Carr did the, the the with the, the tank drum. The tank, the tank came yeah. out and they did the whole thing. Yeah. It was really a great tour. I mean, like it was really great that those guys um, let us have the, you know have that slot because we were brand new and unknown, you know. And we went right from that with Sammy Hagar right into Sammy's Three Lock Box tour right. immediately, and so we were touring. Like constantly, yeah. and then ZZ Top after that, like <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, right yeah. Into that. Well, that's the going other thing. And going and going, and then our record company went under, and we're like, "There's no record company." <laughs> what? And we just immediately went back in and cut. After the, Dawn Patrol, after Dawn Patrol, it's like we were like one day we were like calling our record company. It was like. Mm, this number is no longer in service. Was it like, Boardwalk what? Records? Yeah, it was Boardwalk. Yeah, it wasn't was, that Joan Jett's label? Yeah, too? Exactly. Neil Bogart, yeah. Um, yeah. and he, he had passed away from cancer, and it lasted for a little bit, and all of a sudden it just went out of business, and we're like, what? We we'd sold a million records at that yeah. point. There were a million Night Ranger records out there, and there was no record. We were playing company. in San Francisco two nights with Sammy. Sold, they were sold out at the Cow Palace, and that's when they told us, well, uh, you know, there is there's no, no records in the stores. We go, why? Because... Boardwalk is closed. 
You're right. like, wow. What do you mean? But our manager you know. took us immediately over to, um, to MCA, uh, right? MCA Universal, and boom, you know, we went right in, pulled us right off the road, right into the studio to cut the Midnight Madness album. And we didn't have a time. We didn't even have any time to breathe. Which I mean, is amazing if you think about it too, because MCA Records, for people not in the end of the business and watching the business side of things, MCA Records was is it was notoriously known for many, many years and decades as a horrendous label when it came to rock bands and trying to break rock bands. As a matter of fact, there, a lot of bands signed to MCA that I knew were friends used the term that MCA stood for Musician Cemetery of America. That's right. Whoa. That's right. I remember that. <laughs> Musical did, Cemetery of America. We, yeah. did, we did not have that uh, experience. But, but <laughs> I, I think no. because, the first two al- yeah. the albums with them were great. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and listen, all due respect to anybody who worked on your records at that time, I think they also benefited greatly from the fact that you had had and laid this incredible base with, yeah. with the first record that yeah, almost that anywhere you would have went you had built a, a hell of a right. base going yeah. into that. Yeah. And hard rock was pretty prevalent on radio, so we were lucky there. And, you know, i got to tell you, a lot of people don't know this, that we, we saved Sister Christian for the, or the record company. I don't know whose idea it was for our yeah. second record. I have no idea why we didn't put it on the first record. We, they, they, I, Sister I Christian was written when it. you did your first record? Yeah, we wrote that thing in 80 or something. Yeah, we were playing in clubs before we were Night Ranger. And we so. didn't put it on the first record. And I don't know, everybody says, you yeah, we saved had it for the second. Call My Name was like, we were focusing yeah. on Call My Name on More it as a ballad. On it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's how that happened. So, so. When you were doing it in its earlier form, before you recorded it for the second record, was it the same sort of arrangement? Was it the yeah, same song, or was it different? It was the solo the was different, because I wrote the solo in the studio yeah. and had a whole thing on that. But the chorus was all the same. The lyrics were all the, the same. The were the same. But, it uh, was slower when we it was slower did a demo, the demo. It. it. was yeah. much slower. That's we listened to the demos and we were like, "Oh my God, this is it so was like, bad." Motoring. <laughs> no, 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 not that slow. It was, was like a dirge. A, it was a funeral dirge. <laughs> it was good. But that album, man, when we were cutting that album. It was real crazy because we just come off the road and we were up at the at the Rainbow every night and bringing down like ten and fifteen, twenty people to the studio. And our man, our, our 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 producer was going out of his mind. Yeah, and we they were because Glenn we Hughes just have a party every night. Yeah, Glenn Everybody. Hughes sang all the high parts on uh, "You Can Still Rock in America." Really? That's, that's, that's Glenn. Glenn. Yeah. Who else could sing like oh, yeah. that? Oh, yeah. And he still can sing Glenn? like that. I know. Glenn can still right? sing like and that. And he still Absolutely. sings like that, doesn't Amazing. he? Yeah. yeah. It's, that's, Steve-o. That's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, Glenn Hughes' voice is still is so still unbelievably crazy good. Yeah, yeah. That was um, some wild times, man. What was the thought? You know, I as again, as a kid, uh, getting uh, that album, and you can still rock in America, I, what was the sentiment? Who, who wrote the lyric to that? I did. So I, what was the sentiment behind that? Because we were... I love it now more than ever because yeah. where rock isn't where we all want it to be, right. it's really a great rally call kind of, still. We were on yeah. tour with Sammy. We were on tour with Sammy, and we were, we were stuck in a I – mean, we, were, we were like in a you – know, in one of those do-drop ins, one of those bad hotels that, you know, for $59 a night. Do-drop. Yeah, it, it was Springfield, Illinois. The Dinkler. And we got all those magazines. <laughs> Brad remembers yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brad and I went out. Brad and I went out and bought a bunch of rock magazines. We'd come back in, and all the pages were like Flock of Seagulls, Haircut 100, Blondie. Like Rock bars. is Dead. You know, and, you know right. the, the headlines were rock is dead. And I'm like, what a bunch of crap. I mean, it's, I, I don't know. It's like and we're with Sam and we're out there every night for, for like, you know, five and ten thousand people screaming and yelling for rock and roll. And I'm like, you know, I said to Brad, I don't know, man. It's like, you know, it's as far as we can say, you can still rock in America. I said, we got to write this song. So I gave this idea. And I said, Brad, we should check this out. And he said, let's write a song. And so, mm. boom, we put the song together and it was just like that. It was yeah, just basically. Yeah. A reaction to what was going on. To, to me, it was a then and now. It's a great anthem for. 
I think as as rock fans and hard rock fans, I mean, a lot of times we, especially this sort of genre, we feel sort of marginalized and we feel like, oh, that stuff's never going to come back or whatever. Sure. To me, it, it whether it's now, you know, we're in, living in a world of EDM and pop music or whatever, Haircut 100 back right, when you wrote right. it, that, that to... You know, hearing that big and how it opens up and then it just kicks in and that that rally cry. I mean, even when you played it last night, I was like, fuck, yeah, you can still rock in America. Here here we here I am, you know, now 52 sitting here on this ship, having the time of my life watching this band that I love seeing the first time they played this. Saying you can still rock in America. Yeah, you can still rock in America. Absolutely. Tell the 3000 people on this boat that. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the the cool thing is, too, is also, you know, rock and roll is still relevant. You know, you, you, you put together three 80s crazy popular bands or whatever and you do 10 to 15,000 seats right yeah. although we're getting no radio airplay for anything new right. we're still cl- classic rock stations but you put a couple bands together and those tours are selling out because people between 40 and 60 whatever still want to relive the old memories and get out and get a babysitter or whatever the kids are growing up whatever they still want to get out and rock younger you know? kids come to our shows yeah too. we get a lot of kids too. and we got the younger like 19 20 22 year olds that are like mimicking what Brad is playing and, and, and like Carrier playing on their, you know, on the guitar and everything like that. And we're going to keep making new albums, man. We're just going to keep doing it because when you stop creating, when you stop using your mind, I mean, look at you, right. you know, if you stop doing, if you stop, you know, that's when you start like dying or shriveling right. up inside. And, and, you know, it's like we're going to keep making rap. Records like we did, like our new album coming out, "Don't Let Up," which is coming out in a couple months. No, next month, March twenty fourth. March twenty fourth. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we're just going to keep making records until somebody says you can't do that anymore. And you guys have made it bums me out doing what I do because I love and truly support and care about new music from bands that I grew up loving. Right. And and it bums me out because for a lot of it, like you mentioned, or Brad, you said, I mean. Yeah. It's classic rock radio. They're not going to touch it. It doesn't get played. Right. But from a creative standpoint, for the fans that do love it like I do, I told you that yet last night, Jack, there's That's a song right. on a recent Night Ranger record yeah, called Tell yeah. Your Vision, which I was yeah, like, I love like, it. It's such a song. badass song. Yeah. So we, I know about that. Some of your hardcore fans know about that sort of stuff. But, but in the big picture, it seems like it's almost impossible to get it over on any larger level. But what you're saying is, as songwriters, as musicians, creatively, you still want to do that. And we have you to, know yeah. why we do it? Yeah. We do it for you and you That's and right. you and you and you and you and you. And all Me you too, people. Jack. Oh, and him too. We do it. For you guys, we That's do it, we do we it for everybody doing. but Brad. Yeah, <laughs> but I tell you, you know, we, we do stick to the to the format of Night Ranger, which are the three, you know, big choruses, big harmonies, you know, twin guitars, solos, and all that stuff, and and uh, it just. Because that's what made Night Ranger, and we don't want to stray from that. You know, there may be a song or two that we try to reach out a little, just go in a little different direction, but it's still, it's night, you hear it, you know it's Night Ranger. You know what I mean? We try to stick with that. Yeah, well, what was really cool, what you did last night, was uh, if you want to go deep into the catalog, of course you have, you guys have, a half a dozen songs, I imagine, roughly, that you have to play every single right. show. Sure. Yep. You got, and you're in a fortunate position to have that many hits that you, can, that you have to play. But then when you go and you play some of the, the album tracks, I hadn't heard this in ages, but Night last Ranger. night you did the song Night Ranger. Yes. Yeah, how about that, huh? And I was like, wow. So that's got to be a blast for you guys to dust those off, huh? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We it's, started doing it at the end gonna, of last year. We're going to do it a lot this year. We're going to do a lot. We're going to pull out a lot of, like, deep, 
deep Night Ranger tracks on the shows this year. I want to start you doing know, passion play. You know, again. just songs that we songs. had fun doing. You what know about what I mean? Rumors in the Air? Have you done that? Yeah. We haven't done that in a while. Yes. We'll do that yeah, acoustically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's do that acoustically. Oh, uh, okay. Later. <laughs> <laughs> Might want to work on that one. No, we oh, yeah. can do it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, I think that means no. Uh, yeah. not gonna no. Be. <laughs> so funny because we do the acoustic thing and I do Rock in America, you know, that woo big whammy bar thing. I just hit a harmonic. Bing. Gun, gun, gun. We do it acoustically. You change it all up acoustically, but I tell you, we have a blast doing acoustic. Because you know what? We tell stories. We have fun. We play things a little different. We lie different. about stuff. You we know, just lie, lie, big lie. Shit up. Big yeah. lie. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but it, what, I saw you guys do it on the last cruise actually that yeah. you played. You did the acoustic the atrium, set, yeah. and that was a lot of fun in the oh, atrium so as much. well. Yeah. How can we top that one though? Because did you remember what happened like halfway through our show during that atrium thing? Who came down that's, from the elevator? Right. The woman that showed put her tits against the glass. Oh yeah. That's and we're right. like we're like playing, and all of a sudden everybody's screaming, yelling, and cheering. We're like looking yeah, we up above running. us. We're really kicking ass here, you know. <laughs> like, and all of a sudden everybody's like pointing up. We're looking up. We're like, whoa! <laughs> we're like, okay, that's amazing. So, Gee, they're really liking this song, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, <laughs> they're really digging this one. We better put it into the set all the time. You guys over the years touring must have had. Uh, Strange, funny, sort of bizarre moments like that on stage, yes. I would think. And off stage, oh, also. All the time. Any you can share that come to mind? Yeah, yeah I, was, sure. I went in my room one time, and there was a naked girl laying in my bed. I don't know how she got in there. Really? Yeah, I don't know. I think the guy, she bribed the guy and just like, is my wife around here? <laughs> <laughs> well, what about the time Jack? Think she's having lunch. What about you the only time <laughs> we worry if she was your wife at that time? <laughs> she actually That's was. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. What about the time we've we were married 40 we years? Were, we were playing in Kentucky. And somebody crawled. This girl wanted to get, you know, we were on stage. Oh. <laughs> and she snuck in and crawled up into the ceiling. And stayed in the ceiling. And then fell through. And fell through. And, fell the, through and broke her leg. Onto the, and she onto was the in the dressing room like, ah. She like fell this, onto the catering. The whole ceiling had broken. She was laying right She's there. She's laying in there <laughs> with, <laughs> along with the turkey and the, the tomatoes and the <laughs> bananas and strawberries. It was great. <laughs> a chick fell through the ceiling. The ceiling. Yeah. She was trying to crawl ceiling. into the dressing room. In, in through the ceiling crashed and crashed over and she on crashed everything. Crashed through. And what do you say when you see a girl? We come in. We Night Ranger girls said, literally falling in their lap. Yeah, no, we walked in and we said, <laughs> we walked in and we said, what are we going to eat? Yeah. <laughs> What's for dinner? What did you do to the tray? <laughs> the ceiling so tile went, went in the turkey. What's so she went to the what she went to the hospital. She went to the hospital and got a cast. When she came back, we signed her cast. Yeah, so that was a big was thing. Cool. You know? Oh, my gosh. That's unbelievable. <laughs> um, it reminds me of, like, you hear these stories of guys stow away in the cargo and planes. And then the plane <laughs> exactly. landed like, hanging from the engine or yeah, something, yeah. you know? Uh, totally. Oh, and then we were on a tour bus, and, and Ozzy had his tour bus. Oh, God. Was this when you were playing with Ozzy? No. no right after. after. Oh, that was right the after. funniest. Oh, my gosh. We're, in, we're down south, right? We're, we're driving along. All of a sudden, our bus is like, Help us. We see a bus in the distance. We're like, hey, there's somebody else on the tour. And back then you had um, um, CB, right. CB radios. And no we phones. said, get on the bus. See who's that bus. And the guy got on the bus and said, yeah, who's the, you know, the, the coach in front of us? And the guy said, I've got Ozzy Osbourne on this bus. And we're like, Ozzy? And we're like, get Brad. Brad was in the back of my room. Brad, come up here. And Brad gets in. And they said, tell Brad that Ozzy Osbourne's in a bus behind him. And it, so I said, Ozzy, yeah, what's going on? He goes, pull over. No, no, no. Well, you tell Before a story. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is Brad, good. We're driving. If we get Brad, it's like, Brad. And, and he said, Ozzy, is that you? And Ozzy's like, Brad, is that you? <laughs> and, 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 and Brad's like, yeah, Ozzy, it's me. And then we hear a click, and he goes, Who's got the drugs? <laughs> no, it gets, both it, go, gets mm. it gets better. It gets better. Brad goes, Brad goes, we do. And all of a sudden, the red taillights. 
in front of us like eh. both buses on the Jack side knife, of the freeway. The car Jack knife. <laughs> so Brad and I and uh, Jeff, I think, got off the bus, went on Aussie bus, and we ran with them for about another five hours. That was the longest <laughs> five hours of my life. <laughs> and then we got, we came stumbling off that thing at like nine or ten in the morning. We're like. <laughs> getting, getting onto our buses, <laughs> but but I didn't realize that. <laughs> I didn't realize that that you guys did you did you ever do anything after Brad you and you made the incredibly ballsy move of not joining Ozzy's band to because you had belief in Night Ranger, yes. which is an amazingly. And by the way, I say this all the time: the Speak of the Devil record that you're on, the live Killer. record, is oh so God. great. I love it. Amazing. What you Speak do with those songs? Right. Still, about that? Crazy great guitar tone. Uh, at the Ritz, one of my hometown yes, venues yes. that I grew up going to, and, and all that. But um, did you do stuff? Did you stay in touch with Ozzy at all after you went to Night Ranger and he got Jakey yeah, Lee? Yeah, no, and no, actually he didn't. He came down to our studio doing a record. You know, this after he, you know the story of him shaving his head, and that's another story you may want to hear. But he came down to the studio with Night Ranger Sharon. recording our second record. Well, yeah, uh, it was the first one. It was still done. Yeah, 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 yeah. still finished. Yeah. Sharon and, and, and he came in and hung out with us. Yeah. You know, it was all good. You know, so there was no bitterness that you didn't stay in his band and go do his. Band. Well, the bitterness went towards Rudy because Rudy left to go do Quiet Riot, and Ozzy just not. <laughs> Did not dig Rudy that. Out punched, the next day, remember? He punched I'm next, Rudy the next at a bar. Ozzy punched Rudy. Yeah, tried yeah. to when we were at the Kalamazoo's Jam. It was the Iowa Jam. Yeah, Iowa yeah, Jam. Yeah, yeah. It was like everybody too was like Rat and, and then you know, Quiet Riot. And, and the thing was, oh, you know, I, you know, Rudy went to Quiet Riot and was doing amazingly great. And I thought, you know, here are my bros back home, all the Night Ranger guys. So I spent two years trying to get a record and everything going. And and the Ozzy thing, the whole, the whole camp was a little out there. You know what I mean? Uh, and it just, would, I didn't feel comfortable. So a bunch of English guys, you know. No, I was like a Californian and a Texan, you know, yeah, all yeah. But but these these guys, the Nigerian guys, were my buddies, and we hung out. We did this record, and I knew it was going to be good. And I knew from possibly my fame with Ozzy that the Nigerian record would do well, right? So I ended up instead of telling Ozzy and getting punched out, I went to Sharon. I said, you know what? Uh, the tour was over. I go, I got this band, Night Ranger, and we just got a deal, and, and uh, we're just getting ready to release a record. And she's like, you know, the tour is over. And she's like, well, Brad, do what you got to do. And so it was all amicable, and, and everything was good. And, yeah, and sure is. enough, the same week in October 1982, Speak of the Devil and Dawn Patrol came out the same week released. Wow. The same week in late so October So there's two 82. albums with Brad Gillis playing guitar out Not only that, time. but it was like the two, of the two of the featured albums, like on Album Network and all the Album Network, sheets, I was featured at the bottom. He was like the two the, albums. The first one to ever release two picks ever, yeah, was, uh, you know, that got radio picked up for Radio Airplay. So that was cool. But then I go out with these guys. Next thing you know, we're doing 200, 250 shows a year, going right in to do another record. We had no time off. Right. No time off. But we were young. We, were, we wanted yeah, yeah. to do this, you know. We yeah, kicked yeah. ass. It was like 18-month tour. You know? right? yeah. Jack said there was another great story that we needed to hear about something a second ago. Uh, oh, no. Stories. He was talking about another other story. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a couple. I mean, a girl falling through the ceiling in the dressing room is pretty darn good. But a, is there a <laughs> topper to have that? Have you been to New Orleans? Have you ever been to New Orleans? You've once, been New Orleans. years okay, ago. We, we were in New Orleans once, and it was like, it was like, um, it was like what's that week? The uh, spring break week. Yeah. And we were playing down there, and we were in Pat O'Brien's, which is the famous for the hurricanes. Anybody yeah. been to New Orleans? You guys been to New Orleans? Yeah. Okay. We were at Pat O'Brien's, and we were back in that back patio, and it has a big fountain area. And our bus driver, we had this crazy bus driver near Charlie. He got in more trouble than the band got in trouble. He was I mean, he was the, I mean, he was always getting in trouble, right? 
right? So, so he was there, and he was getting so hammered, and he spilled a hurricane on himself, and then he was lighting a cigarette at the same time, and he caught himself on fire in the back of the... <laughs> He's and flaming up, up, and we all and just picked him up. Brad and Kelly and I pick him up and throw him in the fountain. That was in <laughs> the the famous fountain that's like... Boom. And we threw him there. And by that time, all these, um, uh, all these kids and everything, all the, uh, the people that are coming for, for that week of... Um, what is Spring it? break. Spring break. They were all down. They realized we were a night ranger, and they mobbed the place. And then they had to, our, our road crew had to pass us out over people's heads <laughs> to get us out of I mean, they were like, like back then, it was like, it was insane. It was, it was, is it there was a like, night ranger book out of any of you guys? There should be. Oh, Does somebody want to write be. a book here? the same guy that, we, that got kicked out of a hotel and almost got arrested in St. Louis because he was shooting fireworks across the freeway like Roman candles. Who's this, out, Brad? No. The, our, our, oh, the bus, bus driver. The bus driver again. And then the... the the, the security guy comes upstairs in an elevator like that, and he, and he sees us, and we're all standing there, and we're like, sorry, you know, and he says, don't do, you, you need to stop what you're doing right away and everything, and we're like, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, and Charlie's standing there, and as the guy's closing the door, Charlie lights an M80 and throws it into the room, and the doors are closed, and the guy's going, no, 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 we need to say police came. He got arrested. Yeah. He got thrown out. Well, they've all, people have often said, and I've heard this for the decades I've been doing this from people continually, that the best stories and the craziest people really truly are the guys on the crew for the most part. Absolutely. And I've said this, and I'm not. I'm, I'm saying this truly. Your tour manager, Todd, is one of the most kick-ass tour managers. Oh, he's the best you've ever had. The guy is on it. He is the best. He is on it and helps and takes care of everybody around. Everybody so good. And he hands out oxygen as well. <laughs> that's like, not that oxygen, just, that Eddie. Was, Eddie, that's Todd, not oxygen. Todd Compassori back here. Uh, Todd, I mean, he, Todd, I don't know. Am I doing whippets with this or what am I doing? <laughs> it's but, good for a hangover. But a guy like a, like a Todd, every band really needs a guy like Todd because yeah, there's you know such great, insanity. You need a guy that's on it looking out thing, for you. If you want to know somebody who's got stories, but you'll never get them out of him because that's the kind of guy he there's is. There's a guy who could write a book. The, I mean, right with there. Prince, with this guy, with Marilyn Manson. Everybody with right. all the band, you know, I mean, years and years and years, but you'll never because but of you, who he but, is. But as an artist, as you guys being artists, you want to make sure your tour manager isn't speaking out of school because there's things that have to stay in house. I'm sure Absolutely. you don't want the guy out there that's, that's going to write. That's why he's still got a job in this business. He knows either that, that or, he's, <laughs> or he's either that or he he's signed a non-disclosure. Either <laughs> one. <laughs> Me? Wait a minute. Like, I, I am going to do a show when I get a chance, and I told Todd this earlier. I want to. I do want to do shows in the future with the behind-the-scenes guys. I want to yeah. talk to tour managers, photographers, That's a great producers. Idea. You know, I did, an in, I did an interview with Bob Rock for my podcast a couple years ago, the producer. Yeah. Of all the big names that I've had on this podcast, the Bob Rock one is up there in the top two or three most listened to. Because oh, people be love those stories from the guys they don't hear sure, from all the time. Sure. I, just got in touch, I just got yeah. in touch with Ron Nevison lately, uh, recently, wow. who I, I don't know at all. But I was, I was like, God, I mean... Do he engineered no physical graffiti. I mean, yeah. did Quadrophenia. Yeah. I yeah, mean, the first bad company record, engineered that. He yeah. was the who's front of house guy. We know Ron really well. Yeah. UFO he Strangers in the one Night. Of one of our records. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. He did both records. Damn Yankees records. He's got great Keith That's Moon right. records. Ron did everything. That's story. right. I forgot Nevison did the Damn Yankee stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's got yeah. great Keith Moon stories. He's got nuts, Great Keith, Keith Moon. Moon. Yeah, I mean, the stuff he could tell you about Keith Moon. Oh, my gosh. I mean, he once had, he had Keith's the hospital passport. bed thing. He had to hold it for ransom because Keith, like, oh, long story. Yeah, he's long got story. a million of he's them. He's got a Great. lot of stories. So, um, speaking of damn Yankees, I mentioned this a second ago. You guys. No, we'll never be playing again. Ever. Ever. Oh, come on. Okay. No, maybe. if you do, I'll play. Okay, you do it. 
And I'll put like a, a nose and, gla- and glasses back there, and you I'll do. be Michael. Well, Ma- Michael might have something Jackson. to say about. Michael was just on this show with me promoting his Michael's art. Great. And he was, you know, he was love to do it, but obviously he said it's not his call. And he's playing in Skinner now, obviously, which they work pretty consistently. But you know, Jack, you you, you saying that you um, you guys were all in the studio on my radio show a couple years ago, and I that interview we did. I asked you about Dan Yankees, and I posted it as my podcast. And when everybody heard that interview, I asked you if there would ever be damn Yankees again. You answered flatly no, kind of just like you did then. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you know this, but that created a lot of people talking because they're like, wow, there must be some heat between these guys or something because it was such a flat out-and-out no. (laughs) Were you just being like you're tired of hearing about it? or is there? I mean, we've tried to do this so many times. I mean, M3 and everything like that, and I'm just like, it's just, you know, we've tried to put it there, tried it, so it's like... Fine, we're not going to do it. It's just like three different bands, all they're all doing well on their own. Scheduling, coordinate everybody doing this and that and the other. I'm sure I would love to do it. I'm sure the other. I'm you know, it's just like I don't know. It's like I'm tight. No, are you in touch with Tommy (laughs) and and Ted? Yeah, yeah, all the time. Because you wrote a lot, you wrote songs with Tommy as well outside of your band. (laughs) Tons of songs. Yeah, yeah. Tons of with Aerosmith and everybody else. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm in contact with everybody. You know, it's really great. We're all good friends. It's just a question of everybody's got their main gigs. Uh, yeah. With Ted, it's playing and hunting. <laughs> with, with no, 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 no. It's hunting and playing. Hunting yeah, and playing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Priorities. That priority. Exactly. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, you guys, I mean, you guys have been real active with Night Ranger, right? Did you yeah, go out, out of yeah. the country a little bit? Did you go to Japan recently? Yeah, we're Coming going up. this um, October. Yeah. We're going to Japan this October, and we're, um, I mean, it's the 35th anniversary this year. I mean, 35 years wow yeah we just did a live record from uh, house crazy. of blues in chicago which just, just came, came out, out. Yeah. Right. yeah and the new studio record comes out march 24th yeah don't let up march yeah. 24th don't let up. Yeah. Yeah. so i mean it's amazing you just you just keep chugging along and uh the band is as good as ever man what and, else are we gonna do yeah <laughs> I, what else are we, I mean, what, uh, you're gonna start fixing cars kelly maybe you could i'm gonna that. work for ups <laughs> You're going to go brown, huh? Did you ever go brown? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going brown, baby. I'm going brown. (laughs) One last thing, speaking of stories that I always loved, and you guys have told variations of this in the past on my shows, but for this audience, I want to talk about it, is you mentioned Sister Christian, the, the mega, mega hit that it is, right? And the scene of it being used in the Boogie Nights movie wow. is one of the greatest uses of a, a song in a movie that I've ever seen. I agree. And now when I hear Sister Christian, I can't help but to think of that scene in Boogie Nights. Yeah. yeah. Did you know no. what it was going to be used for and how it was going to be used? Not and I, I did. I did. did they, sent, they sent part of the script to me. Did they? And, but it was totally different. It was different. Yeah. It was different. They had, it, it, yeah. they had it sketched in, you know, but it, was it wasn't really... like... So you didn't, did you need to sign off on it, or they were just going to license it and they use just, it no matter what? They no, just no, said no. we're going to use it in this section. We're use it and, in this, this yeah. uh, independent film yep. that's a, a very good filmmaker, and he's going to treat it very proper, and it's going to be really good of a current, I mean, like a real you know, relevant scene in yeah. this the movie, and in the, a very key scene, and we're like, that sounds cool to us. Yeah. And Mark Wahlberg was an up-and-coming. Back then, he wasn't as huge as he is now and everything like that, so he was up-and-coming and everything yeah. like that. Right. We're like, the thi- you know, the we're like, great. thing but, is, it's like when we watched this movie, we, we get sweat beads because we were oh in that guy's house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know that guy. Oh, the Hollywood Hills. Gosh, we've been in that house before. And, and it was like this. We were oh. like in, in, the, in the theater watching this, and then as soon as that scene came in, we were like... 
<laughs> oh my god! It's like this is way too close to home. You know, with the dude, the little, the little guy in the corner firing off firecrackers, we're like, this is really too close. To home. <laughs> this is really too close to well, home. All that needed to happen was a girl fell out of the ceiling. I'm yeah. telling you, man. That's we're right. Like, we're like, this guy made a real good movie. He Crazy knows what 80s. he's talking about. Yeah. So the first time you saw, you heard the song, or you saw. The placement was when you actually saw the, the movie, finished right. film yeah. in the movie. Yeah. Did you all guys all go together in separate times, or yeah. you knew it was in going to be in the movie, right? Yeah. You just yeah. didn't know where it was going to come Correct. up. Or exactly. How? exactly. So exactly. did you all go? Did you go to movies together separately? No, Kelly and I went to a movie, and you were separate. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 yeah but we all, we, if it was crazy, and we had no idea. And then when we <laughs> got together and talked about, it, it was like, oh my god, you know, like, oh my is this god. good or bad for the band? <laughs> you know, and it ended up being great. And then we were like, look at each other. Wasn't that in his house? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And we're the firecrackers like going, yeah. The firecrackers going off with Dave back there waving his gun around. Yeah, yeah. waving his gun around. We're like, oh, I'm I, over here. This is like really insane. We know this thing. Yeah. Yes, that was and, then, and then Sister Christian was in uh, Friday the 13th, uh, you know, one of those movies. Yeah. I was going to ask, was it in any other movies? Because I yeah. don't remember. Oh, yeah. it was in a bunch of movies. Yeah. A bunch of TV shows, too. Yeah, not nothing yeah. quite resonated like in Boogie Nights. No, no. That was, that was <laughs> for a that lot of reasons. Yeah. Well, listen, guys, I appreciate you taking the time Eddie, to come it's by, great. man. It's so always good always see you. And and again, I can't stress enough. It was not the Grey Goose talking. The band is unbelievable. <laughs> Thank you, Thanks, Eddie. and you guys rocked it. And uh, and and here, here's to another 35 years of Night Ranger, man. Thank Killer you. stuff. So Ew. thank you for coming Thanks by, everybody. Give it up for uh, Brad, Kelly, and Jack. Thank you, everybody. All right, my thanks to the guys in Night Ranger for dropping by. And, of course, thanks to the uh, the Monsters of Rock cruise for having me and the incredible broadcast that we did. It's always great to host that cruise. And this year added that great extra element by being able to do my radio show from it as well. Okay, we got to take a break. We'll come back on the other side, and we will talk to Jack Russell of Jack Russell's Great White coming up next. This, this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. All right, where's my adventure travelers out there? You guys like to go to some uh, interesting areas, do some adventure travel, maybe a dangerous location? Well, MedJet Assist offers the world's most comprehensive memberships available for your health, your safety, and your security when you travel. Because did you know that basic safety nets like your platinum card or travel insurance, they typically don't cover you in any sort of hazardous situations when you travel. A MedJet Assist membership picks up where basic safety nets drop off, helping you avoid costly fees up to hundreds of thousands of dollars and, of course, frustrating fine print restrictions on your medical care or crisis response. MedJet will protect you 150 miles or more from your home, including domestic or international travel. A MedJet Horizon membership also includes travel security and crisis response services for things like political threats, disappearance, hijacking, wrongful detention, personal security detail, and more. The safer you feel, the more you can focus on the moment, especially when you travel. MedJet Assist empowers members to feel safer and more prepared for travel's many possibilities. So pack peace of mind on your next trip. Right now, MedJet is offering my listeners a special deal. Receive up to $50 off an annual membership when you go to medjet.com slash impact and use the promo code TRUNK, T-R-U-N-K. Annual memberships start at $270, and you can save up to $50. That's M-E-D-J-E-T. 
dot com forward slash impact i m p a c t and use the code trunk t r u n k this is the eddie trunk podcast Back with the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Interview number two of this week is with Jack Russell of Jack Russell's Great White. Kind of interesting what goes on with this band because you know that Great White has existed with Terry Loose as their singer for a long time. They were one of the bands that have that war over name ownership. They resolved it by letting Jack continue to use the name Great White as long as he calls it Jack Russell's Great White. So that's how his records come out. He just put a brand new record out, which is available now. And we'll talk a little bit about that and much, much more, including an emotional Jack Russell towards the end of this interview when we talk a little bit about the victims of the tragic fire in Rhode Island. So without further ado on the Eddie Trunk podcast, Jack Russell from Jack Russell's Great White. How are you, man? You doing all right? I'm fantastic. Yeah, I'm fantastic, man. I haven't been this good in years. I've been sober almost a year and a half. Congrats. You know, and, uh, thank you. This is the one for for good, man, because I was in a coma for five days the last time I drank, and I woke up, and the doctor told me in no uncertain terms that if I did it again, my liver would shut down. Completely. Whoa, 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 so, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now, let's, wait, let's backtrack a second. You went into a coma from drinking how long ago? Uh, this was about a year and a half ago. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I was out. I actually met Don Doc, and he was coming down to see me. And I uh, met at the, met at the uh, Cheesecake Factory, and uh, which is right behind my boat. And um, you know, I was sitting. I'd already drank a bunch, and I was drinking all week. And um, I went up there and I pounded like ten of these giant mai tais in like twenty minutes. And by the time time Don got there, I was already. Seven sheets of the wind. So wait a minute. Let's and get this last... straight. Don Dawkin put you in a coma at the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> no, 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 no. He he was just there. We were having some fun for a while till I started falling off the bar stool. And the bartender, who's a friend of mine, said, "Look, dude, you got to go home. Or we're gonna they're gonna call the cops on you." Which just ended ended up saving my life. So Don brought me home back to my boat. My wife put me to bed. The next morning, she couldn't wake me up. Wow. So I don't know how she did it, but she drugged me up the stairs, up over the boat, down the stairs to the dock. And we had a wheelchair sitting there for like months and months and months that we had in return from when I tore my Achilles tendon. And luckily it was there, so she got me up the car, took me in the emergency room, they stuck me right in ICU. And they told my wife, you better start getting affairs together because I don't think he's going to make it through. Oh, my God. I woke up, I woke up five days later. And there was hey, all these people in my room, my friend from Chicago, my my band, my manager, my wife, of course, you know, um, and the doctor came in and goes, you know, hey, I hear you're some kind of celebrity. He goes, but uh, I, it doesn't really matter to me. I just got to tell you something. You know, the way you drink, the, the wife's been telling me how you drink. He goes, your liver almost shut down this time. He goes, if you drink again, the way you drink, you're going to die. Not maybe, could be might you're going to die so you know there's not much gray area there so right yeah uh, i have no room to squeeze through the door so it was like that was the end of me uh, for as far as drinking goes you know so, so you lost you thing. lost basically five days to drinking and the next thing you woke up you were like what the hell just happened last thing i know i was at at the cheesecake factory with don Dawkins, and here i am five just lost five days of my life basically right yeah exactly 
exactly. So, you know, that's just, it was to me, I thought of my friend Janie, which, you know, at the time, that should have been enough to shake me up and and sober me up, but it wasn't, right. you know. Well, and, yeah, um, as, as you know. Yeah, as that you, last interview, yeah. The, one of the last that interviews last... Janie ever did was on that metal show, and we thought mm-hmm. he was fine, and we spent time with him, and we, we a lot of people have said to me ever since, uh, he passed away. Hey, you, you were with him like a few weeks before he died. Did you notice anything? And I'll tell you, I didn't know Janie that well. I know you did Jack, but I didn't. And, uh, I had only met him a few times prior to that. And to my experience that day, he was great. He was lucid. He was yeah, together. He, was. he wasn't drunk. And you were, were you on with him that day? I don't remember. Um, no, I wasn't. Okay. I wasn't. I was on a different show, but, but you I watched saw it. the show, of course. Right. Oh yeah. I watched, I watched all your shows, man. They were, you know, they were great. Well, I mean, thanks. You're, you're like the why you're like the wizard of Oz or you're like the guy in Pawn Stars when it comes to rock. You know what I mean? <laughs> you can ask you any question. You know, the answer to it. It's amazing. Well, I don't know about that, but I, I do my best. But, but anyway, back to your story because, okay. So prior to all of this, you also had other like you you one of the last times I spoke to you, you had broken your back or something right you slipped in a shower or something like that oh you know I fell I fell in my house drunk and I shattered my pelvis um, I had broken my back before you know I actually every vertebrae in my back has a, a compound fra- a compression fracture you know they're all healed but you know it, it's just I, I've had I'm four and a half inches shorter than I was oh my god I was five. I was five ten and a half. I'm now five six. It is the most, and it's all on my back, which wow. is you know it's horrible. You know, uh, pretty soon I'll be Ronnie James Dio. No offense, rest in peace. You know. Yeah, my and, gosh. Um, so you know, it's just part of all the things I've done to myself. Well, I have degenerative disc disease, and that runs in the family. You know, so I figure by the time I'm sixty, I'll be like you know, I'll look like I'm from the Wizard of Oz, the Munchkins. But you know, as long as the voice still works. You, know, you might be able I'll to get be... a gig on uh, Game of Thrones or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I always figured I was God's court jester anyway, you know what I mean? You know, <laughs> you, you bring up a couple interesting points there, Jack. And, and your story is incredible when people go through the highs and lows of your life, no pun intended, but you know what I'm saying. No, it's, exactly. It's, sure. it, I mean, do you have a book in you? Have you thought about writing a book? Yeah, I'm just actually waiting for the right writer. You know, I've I've got all these stories put together, but I'm still, you know, I'm still remembering stuff and still putting it down. What I'd like to do is get friends on the phone or in person, and I start telling them stories because then all this other stuff flashes back while I got a recorder on. You know, it's, it's so much easier than sitting there trying to write it. You know, and I mean, it's going to go back to my childhood, you know, because when I was five, five years old, I wanted to be an archaeologist. I don't know if I've ever told you. And this is where the title came from. Um, and on my sixth birthday, my parents bought me the Beatles Help album. And I put it on my little record player, you know, and all of a sudden it was as if the skies opened up and I was imparted this message, you know, that I was going to be a rock star. I just knew it. I mean, it was like, it was a lot of information for a six-year-old kid, as you can imagine. Sure. I, I, I didn't understand it, but I just knew what my destiny. So things just started to happen. We moved. I met this guitar player behind me. We started a band. And eventually I met Kendall. When I was 17, we started a band, which became Dante Fox and became Great White. And you know the rest of the story. So it's just, I mean, it's really weird when I look back on my life. I mean, I was in jail 
for a shooting at the age of 18 years old in a drug <laughs> robbery where I blacked out on PCP and ended up shooting through a door. The bullet hit a St. Christopher medallion on, on the maid's neck and ricocheted into her shoulder, saving her life and mine. I got eight years in court and due to a bunch of clerical mistakes, I got out in 11 months. Which, wow. You know, it's like I was destined to do what I do. Nothing was going to stop that from happening, which is really bizarre. You know, I mean, and I've, that was why my my uh, my parole report was on the uh, the inner sleeve of the very first album, the self-titled Great White Album on EMI. Mm-hmm. And um, it part of the parole report said, you know, his uh, his ambition is to cut an album you know the psychiatrist said like it was a total joke i felt like sending him a copy you know (laughs) it's amazing you know and you were also for people that don't know you were in in the earliest days of guns and roses because you guys shared the same management in the early days right absolutely absolutely yeah i mean me and steven adler used to hang out all the time and and duff and uh and um izzy we actually had a band together called the uh industrial glue sniffers and we'd go out and play shows in town. And uh, it was great fun, you know. I mean, that's where we got Wasted Rock Ranger from. We, uh, I was hanging down at Rumbo listening to some of their mixes. And Duff goes, dude, I got a song I want to hear. It's totally the story of your life. And he, it, was, it was by a band called Porky and the Answers. And he played it, and I was like, oh, I got to record this. So that's where that came from, for those of you that know the song. Amazing. And, you know, I noticed looking through the new record, and we're going to talk more about the new record in a second, the new album from Jack Russell's Great White is called He Saw It Coming. You mentioned there's two people that you, you mentioned in this uh, in the credits of the album jacket that uh, I wanted to mention uh, say something about. You, you put a line in the thank yous to Steven Tyler, and it says, to Steven Tyler for always calling me at the right time. I'm assuming that's Steven Tyler of Aerosmith? Yeah, absolutely. What is your relationship with him? Well, you know, it's really weird. That was another thing I, I put out to the universe when I was a kid. I used to pretend I was his friend and talk to him on the phone while I was listening to Toys in the Attic on the headphones. And then one day I was. Um, yeah, I got connected with him years ago through a guy named Bob Timmons, rest in peace, who uh, did a lot of work with, uh, you know, a lot of sober work with people. And he was he used to go out with Aerosmith and help keep Steven on the right track. And, um... You know, Stephen, I got in touch with Stephen through there, and the first time I got sober, he called me up and was, you know, just kind of rooting me on and, you know, checking up on me. And the last time, well, actually, after I shattered my pelvis, he called me in the hospital, and he was like, Jack, what the hell are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, he goes, you know, and, you know, just basically chastised me, you know. And he's always been there at the right time, you know what I mean? It's like, he's just, he's a real caring dude, and, uh, you know, he's got, I just talked, his sponsor is my grand sponsor. Okay. So it's, actually, no, his sponsor is my sponsor, but I usually hang out with a grand sponsor. But, uh, yeah, he's a really great guy, man. And, um, you know, I remember one time he was out in Palm, Palm Desert, where I used to live, and um, he was going to this Sunday meeting. So I went there, too, and I remember he was sitting in this, this a movie theater. He was sitting in, in, in like, a robe all himself. So I walked up the row. I sit right next to him, and he's not. He's just sitting there, and all of a sudden he looks over and he does a double take. He goes, "What are you doing here?" I go, "That's the question I was going to ask you." <laughs> <laughs> he was in a Betty. He was in Betty Ford for a while. It, it was great. Yeah, yeah he's great, he's you know, one but. of the all time greatest. Without needless to say. 
So, Jack, I wanted to touch on something, which is the whole sort of uh, name issue. You guys were really one of the first bands to kind of go through that publicly as far as who's going to get the rights to the name. And I think it's kind of interesting the way you resolved it in terms of you are Jack Russell's Great White, the other band is just Great White. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but did you guys kind of wrap that up and reach that decision pretty quickly, or was there a lot of drama and behind-the-scenes wrangling about it? There was quite a bit of drama. I mean, they had this. I had a really good attorney. Yeah, you know I mean, but he wasn't like Mister Aggressive. They had a guy who was just a complete wad, you know, and he just was just yelling at me. We almost came to blows at one point. I mean, oh. we were like two inches across the table, and I just go, "Come on, dude, hit me, please. I'll be set for life," you know. But I mean, it was unfortunate, you know. Um, the the weird thing is, is you know, I was I was. Uh, CEO of the corporation and Mark was vice president. And the other two guys were just 1099 employees. You know, we uh, never brought them back in the corporation. It was just Mark and I. So that's and, who. The, that's what the. That's who the the struggle was. It was between you and Mark as to who was going to walk with the 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 name. Well, it was actually me and the three guys. They they acted like they were you know in in you know all members of the corporation and. You know, there was a lot of things that, you know, they lied about and, uh, you know, and trying to reinvent the, 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 the our history. But, I mean, you know, the bottom line was is I have to take responsibility for it. You know, How so? Because I had canceled. Well, you know, we had tours booked, and it seemed like every time, okay, I'll be back on this date. And then, like, a week or two before that date, I'd fall and break something and have to cancel the tour again. And it got so bad that they go, hey, man, is it okay if we get, you know, Janie to sing for us? I go, yeah, no problem. So I called Janie. He goes, man, I really don't want to do this. I go, dude, man, I, I just really appreciate it if you did. And it turned out to be one of the best things he ever did before he passed away. I mean, he was spot on. Mm-hmm. You know, he really did a good job. But I remember he called me that one time, and he's like, dude, why do you have to sing so high all the time? <laughs> I go, you know, dude. I wish, I wish I would have thought that yeah. when I was a young kid. Right. But I mean, fortunately, I still can do that. So you know, it's a thank God, you know. Yeah. But yeah, it was. I mean, it was a really tragic situation because, I mean, I, Mark Kendall and me, you know, we, Mark Kendall and I, you know, we went, we go back to when I was 17 years old when we started the band, you know, and it's to have, you know, to be that adversarial with a guy that you know, you spent most of your life with and were so close to was really hard on me, you know. I mean, it was really emotionally, you know, uh, just horrific and scarred me that, you know what I mean? So, uh, I mean, if he called me tomorrow, I'd be like, you know, I'd be open arms, but, you know, that'll never happen. There's so much animosity. So you, you have know, so you have no there. relationship with the other guys anymore? It's, it's completely over? No. Haven't haven't for a while. I haven't spoken to them long before that happened. I mean, I was in the hospital with my colon burst, and uh, I was in a five-day coma with septic shock. And once again, the doctor said I was going to die, you know. Um, but I miraculously came out of that. And I was in the hospital for three and a half months. I came out weighing 137 pounds. I couldn't walk. I couldn't feed myself. Um, I, I had to go to physical therapy for months and months and months so I could learn how to walk again. It was, you know, horrific. And I had the colostomy bag for nine months. 
um, you know, which was terrible. Fortunately, my wife was a nurse, because it was in a spot where I couldn't really, you know, attach it myself. So she had to do it all the time. And there's always accidents, and, you know, it was just really a horrifying time in my life, you know. And I was drinking every single day, and she just said, you know, go ahead, because she knew that mentally I wasn't going to be able to handle it, you know. And I wouldn't have been. You know, I mean, when I, at least when I was drunk, I wasn't thinking about my situation. Right. It, I mean, I did an interview one time with this guy that had had one since birth, and I just said, dude, I don't know how I have my, my, my hat and my heart goes out to you because I, I don't know how you do it. He goes, yeah. well, you know, that's all I've ever known. Yeah, you know, I bring up like, I bring up the name thing because you guys had a had it and resolved it, and so many bands go through that. You know, Queensrÿche went through it. L.A. Guns had three different versions for a while. Rat, most yeah. notoriously recently, Rat in the last year to two years, it's just been unbelievable. Where Blotzer took it, and now the other guys seem to have it back. And I mean, it, it's it's yeah, um, there's it really, really no word on that yet. You know, from what I understand. Well, the only so, word the only word that I know, and you know, right. I don't take sides in all of this, but Bobby got a little no. crazy a few weeks ago with me about it because the only word I know is that uh, the other guys have now announced shows on major festivals and also just oh, took yeah. they just took back the social media. the 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 Twitter is now the 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 Piercy D Martini band. So any dummy looking from it from the outside will would say at least at this point. It is certainly swinging in that direction, but I'm not a lawyer. I don't get involved in this. I can only report what I see at the time, and it's so contentious, and so many of these, and I understand why it's so contentious, whether it be for you guys or RAT or LA Guns or whatever, because at the end of the day, it's all about who owns the name. We have bands out there that have no original members that are still doing okay because they own the name. And And the brand, what's interesting about, I always thought, was about the way you guys resolved this, whether it was contentious or not, is that in some way, shape, or form, you both have a variation of the name. Like on the cover of your new record, it is the Great White logo. So it, yeah, it, it's interesting how you settled all that. Well, you know, it was funny because that was my idea from the get-go. But we finally had to you know, go through all this stuff, and they finally said, you know what? Um, well, we'll, we'll agree to you be Jack Russell's great white. And I said, you know what? That's fine. You know, I mean, sure. I could have fought it all the way and you never know what's going to happen in a jury trial. You just don't know the way it's going to, the way it's going to swing. You know, they might look at me and go, God, what a jerk and take, not even take into consideration that, you know, I mean, I was the one who asked Mark to start a band. I, you know, I was the president of the corporation, you know, but I mean, here I am keeping these guys from making a living and you know it was it was a coin toss and i didn't want to risk that i mean my old manager once told me he said you know if i could take five monkeys and put them on stage and if i had the if i had the brand i could still make money and i'm like there's no way great white could go on without me give me a break or kindle you know and he goes i tell you and he proved me wrong you know, so have you kept I mean, tabs? Look, on, have you kept tabs, Jack, on what the other guys have done? I mean, they've done a couple records. They've mm, been out there a lot. Have you? Have you? Had a, have no, you? No, I really don't pay attention to it. I mean, I know they watch everything I do, and I don't really care. It has nothing to do with me and mm-hmm. what I'm doing. You know, so I'm not going to spend my time, you know, worried about what they're doing. I need to concentrate on what I'm doing. You know, I wish them the best, and 
you know, there's room for both bands, as as we've already proven, you know. Uh, so, you know, God bless them, man. You know, they're just trying to make a living. And, um, you know, I, I don't think it goes both ways, but, you know, I, I'd rather take the high road. I don't hold any grudges, you know. I'll, I'll readily admit. I mean, at the first, I was like, you know, all oh, those guys, blah, 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 blah. You know, and but, you know, after as the years went by... And, you know, I got sober. I started really thinking about it and doing some soul searching. I said, you know what, Jack? If it was the other way around, you'd have fired you, too. Yeah, well, I mean, they never fired me. They just didn't call me. Right. I mean, I'm in the hospital with, you know, almost dying, and I didn't even get a phone call. Mm. And my wife never got a phone call. How's Jack? You know, it was like, you know, I mean, Michael Lardy was in a dressing room at Jane Lane's memorial, and... I had a mutual friend that was in the dressing room and, you know, whether this is true or not, you know, I can't say, but I mean, I, I have no, re I don't know reason why he would tell me otherwise. He said that uh, Michael had told him, why doesn't that guy just die already? You know, and that just killed me. Well, not literally, but I mean, you know, it was just heartbreaking, you know, and just to hear that hate and animosity from people that, you know, you've spent, most of your life with you know is there a know? side of is there a side of you that you mentioned and, and i think it's it's very admirable you said you take a lot of responsibility for this yourself now that you have a clear head but is there a side of you that you know you've come so close to death a couple of times and and all that is there is there any side of you that as the years go on even if you don't play with them again would you like to reconcile with them again in some way would you like to you, you well, mentioned your history with mark would you like to be able to even just have a relationship with him or is that too far I gone i would love to do that with no i would love to do that with mark but you know the other guys i have no interest in that but i mean mark and i have i mean we we were everywhere together i mean he lives in my house he rehearsed in my house i mean i remember one time my dad asked him to mow the lawn and he, we had this Zychondra, which I don't know most people even know anymore, but it was really beautiful grass. But it was really hard to upkeep, you know. And um, my dad asked him to mow the lawn. He set the mower totally low and shaved <laughs> off all the top of the grass. You know, he almost killed the front lawn. Needless to say, my dad never asked him again. <laughs> I think a, that was done purposely. Yeah, that's know? a good way to get out of cutting the lawn. Absolutely. You know, we spent a little, a good portion of this interview talking about all this adversity and health issues you've had. But what's most amazing is you still sound like Jack Russell. Somebody listening to this would say, oh, my God, the guy must sound like he's croaking on a record right now. But you, you still got the pipes, man. No matter what happens to you, that voice is still there. You know, I, I'm just so blessed, you know, to, to still be able to sing. You know, I've... I've like I said, I've always known that this is my destiny, and I, I just figured I really, you know, I have to thank God, and I believe there's a reason that I'm still allowed to do this, because you know, basically, my voice is on loan, you know, just like my life. Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, I've I've really come to terms with, you know, how close I've come to losing it, and. You know, I'm not gonna push the envelope anymore. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm really respectful. You know of of what I do to my body now, and um, you know what's left of it. <laughs> 
So you know, uh, yeah, I'm singing better than ever. I really am. Can I you mean, still do? Very... Can you still do everything that you did? You once did vocally. You talked about you know Janie telling you you sang up so high and you kind of painted yourself in a corner back in the day when you did those early records. But are are you at a point where you can still go and sing those old songs in the same key the way they were recorded? You know, I, we tune down a half step just because it's a little easier, but it's not noticeable. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's tuned down a half step. Some people told them that tune down a full step. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, wow, that, you know, and some people tune down a full step and then still sing in a lower key. It's like really weird, you know. Um, but no, I still have all my highs. It's just, you know, it, I don't have the stamina of a 25-year-old kid to where I can sing, you know, that high all the time, you know. Right. So, I mean, it's a, it's a skosh lower than it was, but, I mean, it still sounds like the song, you know. And actually in E-flat, it's actually heavier. I mean, the music actually has more, you know, nuts to it. Right. So it's actually a, a blessing, you know, in disguise. So, I mean, if you listen to the record, it's all over. I mean, I'm doing really low stuff and really high stuff. And so, yeah, I still got those really super highs if I want to use them. But, I mean... I've never been, except in maybe the really, like the first album, you know, it was like, like David Lee Roth, ow, ow, the whole time, you know. Right, right, right. You do do it when it's necessary, not all the time, you know, so it actually means something, you know. And touring-wise, I know you're you're already announced on the M3 Festival, which I'm back on board hosting, and look forward to seeing you there. Awesome. We had some, we've had some fun there over the years, and uh, oh yeah, look forward to seeing you out there. Uh, you got a you lining up a tour. What's the what's the situation on the live front for you and the band? Yeah, we're lining up a tour. Our you know our agents hard at it. We've got a lot of shows that we haven't put out there yet. Because we have, you know, we the contracts haven't been signed. We don't want to put anything out there that's not confirmed. So, you know, the schedule might look light right now, but it's going to fill up. I have no concern about that. So, you know, we're we're anticipating a really really good summer, a really good year. And, uh, I'm, you know, like I said, I'm singing really good. My band's really tight, and they're just excellent musicians. And everything sounds like exactly like it's supposed to be. You know, we play everything just like the record. Um, I told my guitars I want everything note for note, and you know, because I don't want people hearing a different solo. And Tony as well, because they switch off leads. You know what I mean? Right, Tony Montana. Yes, he's part of your band as well. Uh, Jack, one yeah. other thing before I let you go, man, and uh, I wanted to ask you about this, and I didn't realize that it's been this much time already. But coming up next month will be the 14th anniversary, the 14th year of the, the tragic death of, of all those great rock fans. And, of course, one of your band members, Ty Longley, as well, with the station fire. And I know that over the years you, you've you've done the best you can to help raise some funds and do some things for that uh, for some of those people. Um, there's still a lot of raw feelings, as you would imagine. There's still a lot of emotion. Uh, it's all very understandable. Tell me how you're feeling now as we come up really just about a year away from, from 15 years since that tragic night. And do you have anything planned or any sort of uh, stuff that you're still going to do on a charitable level? You know, we, at, at one point they just said, you know, the new regime or whatever they say, we don't want any help from you. They just turned our back on us. Uh, they turned their back on us. So, you know, um, uh, you know, I plan on still donating to Shriners and, and things like that. Um, 
you know, I never forget about it. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I lost a lot of friends. I mean, people that were there that I didn't even know. A friend of mine flew in from, from uh, Sacramento, of all places. I mean, why would you fly across the country for a little dinky show? Mm. I mean, it's just bizarre, you know. And a lot of people, I mean, I knew personally. I mean, you play a place 20, 20 some years and, and you meet a lot of people and, and you get to know a lot of people and they become your friends. And it was, you know, it's it's still really hard to me. I, I'm still in therapy over it, you know. It's just something that's never going to go away, nor should it, out of respect, you know. Right. Um, I still I still cry over it, you know. I still have days where I just ball my head off because I, I have, you know, some days where the sun comes up and I'm sitting on the back of my boat and I realize there's a hundred people that won't ever see that again, you know. Mm. And uh, that was um, the the inspiration, you know, that and my wife's illness from behind uh, anything for you on on the new album, you know, and also a prior song off uh, the last record, Rising, is called "How Far Is Heaven." Um, and that was actually off the I can't shake it album. I think I can't remember. We've done so many records, but you know that was uh, the genesis of that song. So. Well, listen, man, I, I appreciate you taking the time, and uh, I, I know that, you know, I, I didn't mean to end on such a rough note for you there, but I, I think the upside of all this is that um, you've got a great record here, and you're getting ready to go out there on the road, and you've you've been through the wars, man. You've been through it on every level, and it's good to hear you come out the other side sounding so good, and I wish you best of luck with the new record, He Saw It Coming. Thanks for the time, buddy. Well, thank you to Jack Russell for taking the time out. Check out his new record. Thank you earlier to the guys in Night Ranger for checking in as well. They also have a brand new record out right now. Thank you guys for listening to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. It's produced by Katie Irizarry. It is new every Thursday via podcastone.com and iTunes, and it is free. Thanks to our great sponsors. Be sure to visit them. Go to podcastone.com, click on the uh, search bar, search for the Eddie Trunk podcast. There you'll see all my podcasts and all my sponsors. Hit that killer deals menu as well. You'll be able to hit that bar and uh, get some great deals by patronizing our sponsors. Appreciate you doing so. Visit me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Eddie Trunk. EddieTrunk.com is the website. Have a great week, everybody. I'll see you next Thursday for another all-new episode. And don't forget to join me live on the radio every single day, Monday to Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, live talking rock with you on Sirius XM Channel 106 Volume. Show replays every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern as well. It's also available on demand on the Sirius XM app. So catch you guys on the radio. Catch you guys back here on the podcast for a new, another new episode next Thursday. Thank you for listening.
Hey, Duck Dynasty fans, we got a new podcast, The Jeff and Jess Show, with me, Jeff Roberts. And me, Jessica. We'll be talking about our many passions, including faith, family, and everyday life. So check out new episodes of The Jeff and Jess Show every Wednesday at podcastone.com, the Podcast One app, or subscribe at iTunes. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application.